Say hello and welcome to Shakamoto. I'm Sam coming in from Edmonton. Today, we are following up with a very special part two of our music episode. If you tuned into part one, we interviewed renowned Metis fiddler Alex Kusterock about his musical journey and endeavors with more traditional Metis music. But for today, we are taking a more contemporary route. Our special guest is Ella Coys, a contemporary Metis musician who you may also know as Sister Ray. They draw on their life experience to produce raw and beautiful songs which resonate with listeners and forge a connection. Instead of a more traditional Metis instrument, such as a fiddle, Sister Ray uses their voice to connect to their cultural roots and their audience with captivating vocals. Being able to chat with Ella about their music and how their Métis heritage impacts them as an artist and as an individual was an absolute pleasure. I am truly grateful to be able to bring their story to you all in their own words. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. So what would you say are your biggest influences in creating music? So I think a lot of the time it's on the books I'm reading and I mean, I think the two biggest things that have been consistent for me has been my interpersonal relationships, any interpersonal relationship. That is what I love to write about is conversations I have with people. I have a notes app in my phone that is little phrases and stuff that I go back to when I'm writing songs. And probably half are things that other people have said to me in conversation or things that I overhear people saying in conversation as close as I can get. I, I love that. And being in nature is a big one, but so primarily being in nature from in where I'm from. And so I've moved across the country now, but so often it is the nature of Alberta uh, is like the most open, creative space for me. Beautiful. A little bit going off of that, where did the name Sister Ray come from? So Sister Ray is the name of a Velvet Underground song off of White Light, White Heat. And I had thought about using it for a previous project and it had always been kind of tossed around. And then I needed a name for a solo project. And I thought it was I grew up Catholic and I thought it was funny to kind of have like a alluding to some kind of, you know, like a nun, whatever. I thought that was kind of funny. And I love that song. I think it's really transgressive in a lot of ways. It's about at the time, it was a very long song. I think the content of the song was quite controversial. And I really liked that a lot. I haven't given it a listen yet. We'll totally do that right after this. It's very long. So give yourself like, I, I believe it is between 10 and 12 minutes long. So give yourself <laughs> some time. <laughs> Going right back into your music. Your latest EP, Teeth, it's raw. It's absolutely beautiful. What was the inspiration behind it? So that EP, I wrote and recorded pretty quickly after I finished Communion, which was the an album that I put out in 2022 it's been over a year now and I made that record in the pandemic and so this EP was almost the antithesis of that record in a way I didn't really enjoy making that record and I it just took a very long time 
and doing it in the pandemic, we did it in a really isolated way. I was working with two people and one of them was in the US and couldn't come to Canada. And so we were like FaceTiming to make that record. You have forever to make your first record. And those songs are from so many years. And then I was kind of, it wasn't post pandemic because it's, I mean, we're not there yet even, but it was in a time where we were able to kind of share a communal space again. And I wanted to do something that was really fast and felt really current in the studio just because those songs on communion, some of them were written so long ago and it's kind of hard to take yourself back. I just wanted to write about what I was going through right at the time, which I think primarily was a lot of grief but grief in kind of getting older and feeling less of a sense that everything, I don't know if you feel like this, but I felt when I was younger that I'd have these interactions with other people and it felt so black and white. There wasn't a lot of gray area about our conversations. I would break up with someone and it was like, well, I was right and you were wrong or, you know, and, and I was going through these periods of grief that felt really kind of tied together and intermingled and not complicated but beautiful in like the vagueness of it and so I wanted to do something that I was writing in that time of feeling that vagueness and be really immediate about everything top to bottom so I kind of wrote the songs we decided we were going to do the EP I finished writing the songs and I believe the last song I finished the night before we recorded it so it was all just supposed to be like quick, fun, communal, current. That actually leads perfectly to the next question. As you and our listeners of Shakamoto will know, Métis culture is about connection. It's about the things between people, between places, between things. How has your experience as a Métis individual influenced your life and career? I play music because I'm Métis, for sure. I really think that a lot of, truly my love of music came from listening to fiddle tunes. It's so, I think that was my real connection point as a young person when I was around Métis people, but I was really only around my family. Like I wasn't around other, even Métis youth. A lot of my family was older than me and which is amazing. I got to be around my elders, which I'm so thankful for. And they have so much knowledge. But I think the most predominant thing they shared with me and the biggest parts of our of our life, where I really connected with being Métis was listening to the music. There's something about it where I learned how to jig when I was really little. And it is it feels like it is in my whole body. That music is in my body in a way that other music is not in my body. And it is shared at all times. I've heard those songs at weddings, at funerals, at in kind of every moment that could be celebration, which I think even can be and is death, that music has been with me. So just the music at all being in my life and that making things make so much sense to me it is why I play music in the first place. But I think something else that I really translate now to the music that I make is the tradition of oral storytelling. And I think that songs really 
conceptually translate that. It's we're telling stories and there is so much in it being told and it being told in context. Who is telling it to you? How are they telling it to you? Where are you? What space are you in? And and yeah, the, the songs do that for me. They translate what you are speaking in a a way that is it is not just speaking, it is not just reading, but there is the the space, the context to that. And also I think another thing is too, it's been a really beautiful space to be able to talk about being Métis. It's, I toured a bunch last year and I went places where people didn't know what that was. And in fact, there are lots of people in Canada who don't know who Métis people are. It's I talk about being Métis on stage and I have people tell me that they had never heard of Métis people before which blows my mind, but maybe it shouldn't. But that's something that now maybe isn't exactly the question that you're asking, but it's something I love about what I do now is being able to translate that into the performance because it feels good to be proud. And I know, you know, my Cookham and my Musham spoke Cree, they spoke Michif, they spoke French, and I don't. I only grew up speaking English. I very rarely heard Cree. I never heard Michif spoke around me ever. And I, I know that I am so lucky to be in a generation to be able to speak openly about those things and have other people be excited or people that aren't Indigenous to feel almost this extension of pride that it is being spoken openly in front of them. And that's the thing is... Métis culture is something where it's not particular to any kind of past traditions. You make your culture your own. Mm -hmm. And the fact that your music can just give that experience to people who maybe never considered that Métis culture is intersectional. I mean, big time. I, I think something that's I've always I really struggled with especially on my first record was I talked a lot about being Catholic and I think there are a lot of Catholic themes and for me like my, all of my Métis family is Catholic and I've always really struggled with that in a lot of ways because it's those are my, my family went to residential school but at the same time in a way for my family that's part of our Métis culture and kind of coming to terms with that and coming to peace with that and being able to do it in front of other people, but then also being able to have conversations with other Métis people. I think that's a hard thing to talk about and it feels complicated and it is complicated, but it, it made me understand, I think, more that there is that openness because I was only ever really around my family and not regularly around a lot of other Métis people having those conversations. But I think that's like the great thing about being able to share those spaces. And again, for our generation to be able to more openly like speak about being Indigenous and being Métis, we can share with each other. And it's, yeah, I'm so thankful to be able to do that. What advice would you give to Métis peoples or really anybody wanting to enter the music industry? Well... I think that my first entrance into the music industry was just trying 
I think there's a lot of I when I was younger, I remember thinking I can't do that because I'm not good enough or there are these other people and they're so good. And so I can't do it and I can't go to this open mic or I can't introduce myself to this person or whatever because I'm not good enough. And it doesn't matter. It is about sharing. It is about community. My favorite thing about playing music is the community that I get to share and it builds and it grows the longer I play. And the people that I first started playing music with are people that I am still good friends with and we support each other. And that, you know, we're, you're sharing. The music exists on your own. It exists when you play it in your bedroom. But I have this idea that is shared with, with a lot of people. It's not my own idea that the music truly exists when you are sharing it with other people. And I think every opportunity you get to share your music with other people, whether that's sending someone a voice memo that you took on your phone or going to go play somewhere or introducing yourself to someone whose music you like, telling them that you play music, seeing that is what it's all about. And in my experience, People really do want to support each other, lift each other up, because it is a beautiful, weird thing to do, to just want to play music and share such a personal part of your life and your being with other people. So just go play shows, say hi, share your music. And I think that's the hurdle that you have to just jump right over, like just put it out there, see what happens. Big time. And it's, you know, the good thing about putting music out on the internet is if you put your music out on Bandcamp or something, you can take it off. <laughs> like none of it is is permanent and it's always moving and growing and everybody is always moving and growing. And I think also the music gets better. That is your opportunity to improve is to try and to meet those people and share space with people who you think are that, that was always my holdup. I was like, I can't do this because I'm around people that are better than me or something. And it's, those are the best people to be around. I always thought about it. Like, I remember being in a five, six, grade five, six split class when I was a kid and thinking it was the best because I got to learn from these kids who were older than me. And I think about that with music, like how, what, how can I take every opportunity to be around people who I admire, who I think are amazing? And what can I learn from them? And they have always taken me in very graciously. And I think that it can be just very true in a lot of spaces. That reminds me of a quote. If you're the smartest in the room, you're in the wrong room. Exactly. It's like you want to be around people who you're blown away by. Um, Because then those are the people that you see them play. And you go home and you're like, man. I really want to practice. I really want to read this book. I really want to go to the songwriting circle. I really want to do those things. And that is so exciting. You can't just expect inspiration to find you. You need to find it in the people around you. Big time. It's like, you know, even if music or whatever art is a, it's funny that now I'm in a, I professionally play music. But before I was professionally playing music, I was, I pursued songwriting in a similar way, which is, it it really is to be sought out. And it is a lifelong practice. It is a trade. 
And if you choose that as your trade, it is worth it. It is a worthy practice to to put time and effort into, and it is rewarding no matter how how you pursue it. I think that songwriting has been as rewarding for me now as it was, you know, I started writing songs almost 10 years ago and it continues to feel really similar, which is something that I love about it. But yeah, that that effort is so worthy no matter the return. Would you like to add anything else? I really just encourage any like, Métis people or Indigenous people, but especially youth, to really pursue avenues to share your stories and to share it openly and even share the parts that you're kind of unsure about or scared about. I have learned so much about myself and my family and things that make me understand myself through kind of making mistakes and being unsure and asking questions and pursuing my elders and their knowledge. And I, and a lot of that has come out of sharing my own story and my own perspective. It is, it is a lifelong pursuit and any path that you have to share is just so important. And if, if someone else sees you doing that, it incur, it is, just such a it's a cycle and we owe it I think to each other to do that and to be proud and to make as much space for each other as we can everywhere our Michif word for today comes from Heritage Michif Naka Mo means sing or as well somebody is sinning. The significance of this word comes from the universality of sinning and of sharing a song. To sing is to express a story, a feeling, or an experience in a way which creates a deep resonance with an audience, whether it be on stage or in your shower. I would like to extend a big thank you to Sister Ray for coming onto this podcast and for sharing their experience with us. As well, Thank you all for listening and supporting Shakamoda. Make sure to check out the show notes for a link to some of Sister Ray's music. Marcy, and see you later. <laughs>